I bring to you grace and mercy and peace from God our Father, through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text from Matthew 5, as we come to this word, let's bow our hearts and heads in prayer. Lord, open your word to us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that what you speak we may hear, the words which issue forth from your mouth we may listen to. And by hearing and listening, we may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, especially these words. In his name we pray, amen. I really do enjoy considering first words, the first words of any child. I don't exactly recall, in fairness to my dear wife, what my daughter's true first words are, I'm sure they were daddy. She's convinced they were mama. But the second word, one of her earliest words, was kiwi. She liked kiwi. And every time we would be out and she would see we brought with us some kiwi, she would just burst forth, kiwi. And people would look, if they were sitting close to us, what's she saying? Yeah, she wants kiwi fruit. 21st century, you know, trouble. The words that Jesus speaks here are words that we expect God to speak. They're not unexpected. We know from the Old Testament, God is a God of blessing, and God blesses his people. He blessed Abraham and Sarah. He blessed all of their offspring. He blessed David and the kings that followed for a time. He blessed the prophets in spite of the antagonism that was around them. God lives to bless people. It's not so much that God is blessing here or that Jesus on behalf of his father is blessing What needs to be underscored is the people that he is blessing. Those that are poor in spirit. Those who mourn. Those who are humble. Who hunger and thirst for justice. Who show mercy. Whose hearts are pure. Who long for peace. Who try to do right but are persecuted for it. God's blessing we learn at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry is not for the strong, it's for the weak. It's not those who are healthy, to quote another part of Matthew's gospel, but for those who are sick. This is healing, this is doctoring. For those who need a blessing more than anybody else on earth. This is where the religious apple cart begins to get upset. This right here before us, these very first words of the Sermon on the Mount are where the antagonism will start for Jesus with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the centurions, the Roman government that will lead him to a cross because his ministry His ministry is not dedicated to those who are wise according to the standards of this world, not for those who are strong according to the estimation of the powers that be in this planet. No, this ministry, this gospel, his very coming into this world is to seek those who are far away, those who've been discarded, and shovel to the side 
for Christ to come to them and say, God has a very particular blessing for you. You are more part of this kingdom in many ways than those who have been born into it, those who think they have arrived. It is a startling set of words. There's no nicety here. There's no um, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. There's no shout out to the powers that be, the Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, the unholy trinity that would take him to the cross. There's no effort at all by Jesus to placate them. He goes immediately to the heart and soul of his mission, to the people for whom his heart breaks those that are lost as sheep without a shepherd, Jesus will say in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35. He had compassion. He has compassion for them, for they are wandering aimlessly like sheep without a shepherd. The question that I have for you is, what difference does it make? I want to bring up just one slide, especially for our guests and winter visitors who continue to come in in late January. I am not sure whether or not you got snowed in at the beginning of January, but here, oh, it's February, and we still have more winter visitors coming in. Does this continue to May? I, I just love this. And, and so for our winter visitors who are new here, let me uh, just extend some sermonic hospitality to let you know what this congregation has been doing while you've been away. We have been, for the past couple months, going through this little card uh, in... in um, uh, the month of uh, December, we heard about Christ's call in the season of Advent to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. We talked about transformation and change, and over the month of December, we essentially studied this, where does that transformation or change take place? Uh, for those of you who are here, I will keep this very short because I know you've heard this at least eight times. This is now the ninth time. So we talked about character. That's the Ten Commandments. Confession has to do not with confession and absolution, our request that God forgive our sins, but it has to do with our theological confession of what we believe God has done for us, who he is, how he acts in this world. So that confession of what we believe, our calling, our vocation, how are we um, caring for others, and then finally, consolation. How in the face of this world's antagonism does Jesus Christ come and offer us the opportunity to change and be healed from the past scars we bear because of that antagonism. We can go back to the title screen, uh, Vernon. I want to underscore for you this, and I don't want you to miss it. The very first words of Jesus, the opening salvo of his very first sermon, when he goes up on a mountain, remembering in scripture that mountains are where you meet God. So if you go up on a mountain, Moses went up on a mountain, right? Abraham, it's a mountain. You go up and that's where God is at. The setting for this sermon is critical. Jesus takes up his place. This is a wink to the reader, to you and I. Jesus is now going to the place of God he is going to speak directly 
in this sermon as if he was God. Just wait to where we get in a couple weeks. It's going to be a humdinger. The sermon gets better, more provocative, more inviting of antagonism. Jesus goes up, and what is the first thing that he has to say? Is he going to talk about our character? Our Ten Commandment alignment? Is he going to give some theological discourse about who God is and now how he is revealing himself, God revealing himself in the second person of the Trinity, his son Jesus Christ being the perfect physical representation of God in this world? Is he going to talk about that? Is he going to talk about vocation? Saying, uh, you know, here are five steps to being a better husband or a wife or a single or a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter. Is he going to go into all of that? No, he doesn't go into any of those areas. The first thing, notice this, the first thing that Jesus does is speak a consoling word to those who find themselves under the load of the world's evil weight. Are you poor in spirit? Are you mourning the loss of something spiritually significant? Are you living in a time of warfare where you just pray, God, give us peace? Have you seen injustice and wickedness take advantage of people in this world, maybe yourself included, and you just want some kind of, not vengeance, but recompense? You want God to act to right the wrongs? Is this the kind of world that you are living in? Are people... When you stand up to do right, are they mocking you, persecuting you, lying about you, saying all kinds of evil against you? That would be, are they bullying you for doing God's righteous things over and against the wickedness which this world has come to long for and desire? Jesus comes and is first words come from the very heart of God that he was sent to express. Blessed are you, which is the passive form of what we read here today. God is blessing you, right? Remember when we learned that in like fifth grade grammar? Every time you say something in the passive verb form, you've got to fill in the blank. Well, who is doing this passively expressed verb? If we say, blessed are you, well, someone has to do some blessing. And the answer is, Jesus, on behalf of God, says, God, the one who notices injustice, the, ones, the one who hears the cry of the poor, the one who feels in his being the cost of warfare, the one who desires to protect and hedge his children from persecution, he hears your voice and he says to you, in my ministry, vengeance has come, 
recompense will be found, justice will be had, and in not so many words, Jesus begins the march to the cross, and that all will be had in my being. I will be ultimately the one who bears the weight of the fullest persecution. The lies, the deceit, I will bear that. I will be the one who bears the injustice of a false charge. I will be the one who feels the full weight of wicked warfare, satanic plot against me in my being. I will be that one. I will be the one who looks over this dark world and mourns for how great a loss God has experienced as sin has crept in and taken over and in taking over, taken advantage of the very least and the lost. I will be that one in whose body everything I'm saying now will be felt most acutely the pain most sharply. I will be that one. And when I breathe my last, the days which I describe here in Matthew chapter 5, the days of war and injustice and persecution, those days will become numbered. Because in me, their power will be broken. Jesus' first words, you see, Jesus' first words speak to the premier life, the first life that God needed to give in order for this text to be realized and the hope underneath this text restored. And you need to hear this too. Because this first word from Matthew, the gospel which in many quarters of the church is called the teacher's gospel. It is the gospel to which the teachers of the church are to give their greatest loyalty, their most, their most profound study. Because it trains up the teachers in the most significant parts of what Christ did in a very methodical and constant way. And every teacher of the church needs to know a consoling word from the very beginning because teachers of the church, whether it be the pastors of the congregation or whether it be the 40 or so teachers of this congregation that joined me and Pastor Allen this past uh, Wednesday to go further and learn a little bit more about what it means to be lay Bible teachers and discipleship leaders at Shepherd of the Desert, our, our first role is to bring consolation to the souls that are listening to the words coming from our mouths, the words that we are reading and relaying from Scripture, so that those souls know and understand there is a God who sits in heaven, not distant, but who has taken notice. And God takes notice of you. I may not have made enough of it, but just to remind you, we as a church point people back to Jesus. 
to change many things about life, not the least of which, and from at least the vantage point of where we are at today, the most, the greatest of which is comfort, consolation, and the repair of a broken soul. Each of us. There is no one in this room that is accepted, accepted from the brokenness that lives inside a soul. We all have experienced brokenness, but some of us more profoundly than others. Today that you hear the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, came in order to break the power of that sinful wickedness that has wreaked havoc on your soul. He sets a church around you. He puts pastors before you. He places a word of hope into your heart and therefore into your mouth so that when the days of trouble come, you may speak a word into the face, the maw of that evil. And like Jesus said to Peter, who was impeding the way of Christ to the cross, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, the things by which God will bless me. That's the word that he puts in your heart and in your mouth. I would encourage you to speak it frequently when the shame, the guilt, the despair, the mourning starts to increase volume in the ears of your soul. Because in Christ we have a victor and the victory march begins here in Matthew chapter 5. And it will not stop until, he says, on the cross, it is finished. And when he does, every blessing he speaks of here in Matthew chapter 5, these beatitudes, become more than just blessing. They, they reach the point where the reality of them becomes ever greater. And that reality is yours today. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give you our thanks and praise. For we know that without your blessing, any endeavor of our church, of us as individual Christians, is simply a puff of wind. But with your blessing, O oh Lord, The joy returns. The sun shines again. And we leap like the deer. Weak arms and legs are made strong. And we are new again. For some in this room today, this word of blessing, which we have read in Matthew 5, needs to grow in volume, its crescendo become deafening so that the plans of the evil one may be fully thwarted. We pray for those folks in this room that need that kind, that kind of ministry. And yet, Heavenly Father, each of us, we are all beleaguered and under the weight of this world's wickedness. 
So regardless of what the pain point is, dear God, speak a word of blessing to every heart in this room. And as we see before us around the altar, may we take that blessing and bring it into our community more than just food that will feed a hungry body. A word from heaven that will restore a hungry and emaciated soul. You are our God. Through Jesus, your son, you reveal yourself to us. And so this morning, once again, we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we say yes and affirm the words you have said to us. And in his forgiveness, we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.